You're listening to the Writing Momentum Podcast with authors Christopher and Gina Mazzelli, where you'll discover more about writing, publishing, building your author brand, and selling your book. Now, here's your hosts, Chris and Gina. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Writing Momentum Podcast. My name is Chris. I'm here with Gina, and we are continuing our talk on public speaking for authors. And this week, we're not just talking about how important speaking is. That was last week. If you missed that, go back, listen to that. This week, we're talking about how to make your audience love you. L-O-V-E, love you. So we're going to talk about overcoming stage fright. We're going to talk about how to have confidence, the importance of entertainment, and then how about just some practice that we might have used in the past in writing that we still use today in writing. And I think you'll find if you take some notes on this, you take that outline that you created last week and you think, oh, I'm going to add some of this stuff. You'll really become a better public speaker and just really engage your audience. Huh? Absolutely. And we talked last week, like Chris said, we talked last week about why public speaking. What? Why are we writers who've been in this almost 30 years? Why are we talking to you about public speaking? Because we're writers. We sit at our computers. We're creative people. We don't necessarily want to be public speakers, but the fact is that whether we are traditionally published, independently published, it doesn't matter. We need to be marketing our books and marketing our writing. Even if we're doing blogs or we're doing other things, public speaking, for some of you, it is a necessity. You need to be public speaking. You need to be able to do this in order to promote your brand. Yeah, I have to say this may be a little controversial, but I believe that pretty much most authors today probably need to have some kind of form of public speaking in their pocket because we're all responsible for our own marketing of our books today. And one of the ways to market your book, whether it's directly or indirectly, is through public speaking, being on podcasts, just making yourself accessible and seen to the world. And it might even just be something as simple as, hey, I'm going to record some short videos and put them out on social media. That is still public speaking. And so, yeah, you I think it's one of those tools that probably needs to be in every author's arsenal. And that's why we wouldn't talk about yeah, it today. Like I was saying, for some people, it's a necessity. Others, it's strongly recommended. It's hardly um, anyone that I would say don't public speak. Right? Or that you don't have to do it at all. <laughs> or that you don't have that's, to do it. I don't think that is the case. It's something that can only help you if you become stronger at it. And for some of you, it really is a necessity. But here's the thing. For most people, this is one of the terrors of their life, right? Knowing, oh my goodness, they say it's one of the highest fears that most people have is speaking in front of a group. Gina and I have been speaking now for, I don't know, way longer than we, I want to admit probably, <laughs> but that is something that's not always come easy. That's what we talked in the last podcast about how over time we started to speak in little less non-threatening ways, right? We'd speak in a children's church teaching that sort of thing. We might do some skits, anything that might break us out of our shelves and help us learn what it's like to be in front of people. But I think we each had a kind of unique opportunities that just really helped us overcome the largest part of stage fright. And that doesn't mean it always completely goes away. I'm still almost always a little nervous when I get up in front of a group, but it certainly has diminished a lot. And what's your story with it? Here's the thing. I mentioned last week that I was going to share this week about the biggest tip that I have, or really that eureka aha moment that I have had when it comes to public speaking. And as I shared last week, 
I was really terrified of it. I was to the point that I would not consider jobs when I was working in a workplace environment in a company. I would not consider jobs if there was public speaking involved. So when I say I understand the fear of public speaking, I truly do understand it. And now I'm at a place where I enjoy it. But one of the biggest point, the point at which my fear of public speaking really began to change is when I changed my mindset. Here's the thing. I, and hopefully this is not you, but this is where I was. I would think, oh my gosh, I have to talk about this. Oh my gosh, what if I mess up? What if I do this wrong? All eyes what are if, on me. All eyes are on me. Yeah. What if, what if, what if? What if everything goes wrong? What if all of a sudden I'm standing there completely exposed and I completely lose everything in my mind <laughs> and I can't say anything but yeah. just stand up there and grunt or cry, right? That was where I was. And all of a sudden, I had this moment where I realized, wait a minute, what I have to say is important to the people I'm speaking it to. So instead of me focusing on me, I'm going to focus on them. And I'm going to focus on what I have to bring for them. And that shift, I know that sounds so simple, but that shift of me thinking it's not about me, it's about them. It's about what I can bring. And it could be in a business situation, it could be what can I bring to this project? I need to speak up because I need to bring something to this project. It may be I'm speaking in front of a group of new writers and it's not about whether I mess up. It's about how I can help them get further in their careers or be better in their craft. So that shift, that mindset shift, and I still, I still have moments. I, for, I don't even remember, but not long ago, I was getting ready to speak at something. Oh, I remember exactly what it was. I was getting ready to speak for something and I started getting really nervous. And then I realized, wait a minute, I had to stop myself and make that shift and go, wait a minute, it's not about me. This is about what I am bringing to the people who are going to be listening to me. And when I did that and I put the focus on how I was going to help them, all of a sudden it became like this. There was an energy to my thought process and I believe an energy to what I was going to say. For me, it was also a mindset thing. I used to get very nervous before speaking, and it didn't matter how much I practice. The more you practice, the less nervous you get because you, you know where you're going to go. So you know you're not going to lose your train of thought. All those things that make you, again, think that eyes are going to be on you. So it helps to practice, and we're going to give you some more practical tips. But that mind shift of they're not coming to listen to me. They're coming to listen about a topic. That changed everything. It made me realize, let's say I'm speaking at a writer's conference and I'm talking about how to write a plot, right? How to plot a book. If I'm thinking that everyone's coming to learn how I plot a book because they want to know what Christopher Maselli knows. Yeah. And here's a hint. No one's coming to learn that. Then, it, But then it becomes a very much of a nervous thing because you start to think, oh my goodness, everyone's like judging me for the way that I'm coming across with this information and the way I do this and that sort of thing. Change that to just realizing, you know what, they're just coming to learn about plotting. They want to know how to plot a book. And you know what? I've got a take on that. So I'm just going to share it with them and they can do with it what they will. And that changed a lot for me. 
The other thing that really helped, and this is, I probably shouldn't admit this, but this is going to sound bad, but I started to attend a lot of other people's talks, right? Go and watch a lot of people. Here's what you're going to find. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is why I can admit this, because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to go to some people's talks and they're going to be the driest, the worst, the most convoluted talks you've ever heard. And you know what you're going to think? I could do better than that. And all you have to do is say, you know what? I'm going to do 5% better than the worst talk I've ever heard. And you're going to be successful. And yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good thing to do. So but we've the, just turned, we've just said, don't feel that people are judging you. Well, but go and judge. Well, yeah, right. But really, it's a way to realize that you're setting you, the bar too think, high. Yeah. If you think that people are judging you, it's because you've set that bar too high. And so set the bar lower and you're going to realize no one's going to judge you. If anything, if they did judge you, let's say they did judge you, they're going to what you're doing because it's better than what others have done. And that doesn't mean you have to be super dynamic. I am not a super dynamic speaker, but I'm decent. I can communicate what I want to talk about. And so let's talk about some of the strategies. The first one I want to talk about has to do with distraction, because this is something else that took some nervousness away from me when I first started speaking, is I realized if I can get a cup, like a glass, it usually works with a glass is best, fill it with ice cold water. I put in a lot of ice cubes and then fill it with water and don't drink it, y'all. <laughs> Set it on the desk beside you, wherever you're speaking or desk or table, whatever you're speaking, the podium, put it up there. And when you start to feel nervous, just wrap your fingers around that glass. Something about that takes those synopses in your brain that are firing off thinking in 20 different directions. And it focuses them on that discomfort and the coldness of the ice on your hands. And it allows you to have a little bit more clarity of thought and just keep going with what you're speaking. I love that. Because you have to then, you're not focused on the way you're feeling. You're focused on having to keep track of your talk that you've prepared and that you've practiced. And all those feelings that you have are going to that ice cold glass. I love yeah. that. I love that. I it works. try that myself. It works. That's really good. <laughs> What's another good tip? The one thing that will set you apart as an author is just, or as a speaker, is simply, this is one of those fake it till you make it kind of things. Yeah. If you go into a talk and you're not really standing up straight, you're hunched over because you just don't want anybody to look at you and, or you're apologizing, I'm sorry, this isn't put together, or I'm sorry, blah, blah. all of that, what you are communicating to your audience is that what you have to say is not important, that you don't believe that it's important. Instead, go in, stand up straight, make, head up, yeah. make eye contact, smile, and just be confident. And you may, inside, you may be shaking, but force yourself to grab that ice cold glass of water, sit it on the podium, Look up, smile, and say, hey, y'all, let's go. Yeah, let your voice project. I spoke somewhere just a couple of weeks ago. And what I did is when I started speaking, I put my material down and I had a couple questions in mind about a previous talk. And I just started asking questions around the room, just real boldly. Hey, who knows this? Who can tell me what we talked about last time with this or that? And it puts you in that position of authority. 
and it allows the audience to actually be the ones who are responding to you. So it takes some of the pressure off to you right there at the beginning. And that, that worked really well. I really enjoyed that. You know, you're right. And I do mm -hmm. that too. It's kind of a bit of an icebreaker for the speaker and the audience to do that, to go in and ask some of these questions. So if you're at a conference, for us, a lot of times it's writers' conferences. So what is everybody's genre? Genre do you write for? How long have you been writing? Is anybody, is this your first writers' conference? We ask those questions because it also does something. One, it establishes you as an authority, but also it engages your audience so that they feel like you care. They're, they know that you see them because there's a lot of people that they're just nervous to be in the room. They're yeah. not up there speaking. They're just nervous to be in the room because maybe it's their first conference. Maybe they don't know what's going to happen and they don't even feel like they're worthy to be there. And we're talking about writers conferences, but I don't care if you're selling insurance. There's probably somebody in that room that that's their first insurance conference that they've ever been to. And they're sitting next to, they think everybody in there has 25 years of experience and is killing it and they're barely making their mortgage. So a lot of people, they come to these situations, they come to these events and they carry their own insecurities with them. And so by engaging with them, you break that ice, you make them feel seen and heard, and yeah. it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And then you are helping them. As yeah. I mentioned earlier, you then, it's not about you, it's about how you can help them. I have found that for the most part, people are extremely gracious when you're up there speaking. They are not looking to judge you, to make you look silly or anything. They're just there to learn, to hear, and they're there to learn. So... One of the other things you can do is make sure that you have good material prepared, right? Mm -hmm. Outline, make a really strong outline. Start off telling them what you're going to talk about, then have multiple points about what you're going to talk about, and then tell them what you just talked about, right? That's your basic outline right there. And if you will do that and then practice it, every time you practice it, almost every time you practice it, you're going to change something. And when I say change something, I mean make it a little better. You're going to tweak it. You're going to think, oh, I should say this or this to bridge the gap. And that'll just make it so much stronger. Always remember, I recommend practicing before you go to speak. Because, it, it, again, it takes away some of those butterflies. And sprinkle in that bit of entertainment, too. We're talking about breaking the ice. We were just talking about breaking the ice. And you're coming to this event. And you're going to be talking with these people. You've already broken the ice. So you've got a little bit of a rapport going with people. But it's not, yes, people want your knowledge. But as we have said before in writing, and it's the same in speaking, some people are going to, what's going to resonate with them is going to be the stats, the statistics, the case studies, the just the nuts and bolts. This is what you've got to do. This is how you do this. But for other people, it's going to be stories. It's going to be, if I'm talking about, I'm doing a talk on how to raise the confidence of children in elementary school. I just made that up, guys. But if I'm doing that, but if I all of a sudden tell you about one of my students and how their life was changed through one of the exercises that I'm going to give or one of the tips I'm going to give, you are probably going to remember that as a listener to my talk. It brings it home. It does. This is something that I have found really has 
changed the way that I create talks. I used to make my talks very informational, right? Because I share a lot of power-packed information. If you've taken any of the courses that I've done, I always put a lot of information there. I want you to go away with so much that you want to listen again because you've got a lot of takeaways. But I started to discover years ago that if I could include stories, it makes a huge difference. Sometimes they're personal stories, and I've learned that those help a lot. But also sometimes just a story that illustrates what you're talking about helps. For instance, I was doing a talk the other day on productivity, right? How to do, how to make yourself more productive. And I realized I was just talking about all these and techniques. And so I wanted to find a story. And I found the story about Henry Ford and how he used the assembly line to create Model Ts. It used to take 12 hours, over 12 hours, I think it was 12 hours and 13 minutes to create a Model T. Then he created the assembly line and he got that down to 93 minutes. That is a story when I tell that and I explain how they used rope to pull the cars down the line. And I'll put a picture of Henry Ford up on the screen with an assembly line. And that word picture means so much more than just about anything else I could have said. Because then as I continue to give the talk and we start talking about these different apps and that, I can bring it back to the fact that you're just like Henry Ford. You're increasing your productivity by 900%. And people remember that. Remember, because they got that word picture of that assembly line in their head. And so the story makes all the difference. I agree. And I've watched Chris recently as he's been giving some of these talks. And I see how you've really done the same thing in your speaking that you have done in your writing. You talk a lot in writing. You talk about callbacks. And that's what really you're doing is you're creating that word picture at the beginning of your talk. And then you're calling back to it throughout. And even at your conclusion, I've seen you do that, where you then pull it all together with that, pulling it back from that first story that you shared, that first personal story, historical story, whatever, and you bring it all together to make it, it just wraps it up like no, this it, really it, beautiful bow it on top of it. a gift. It, it bookends it and makes the audience just have that feeling of, oh, I see how it all comes together. It's like this little bit of magic, right? See how things come together that you hadn't expected. And that's a powerful thing. So yeah, definitely try that. Yeah. Again, it can be your own personal story. It can be another story. Whatever you do, include a story. Definitely. We already talked about eye contact. We talked about sharing stories. And here's another one. Have you ever gone into a talk, sat down, and the person gets up there and starts clicking through their PowerPoint or their slides? Which their we do whatever. recommend you have. I Definitely use the PowerPoint or presentation, mm -hmm. Apple, whatever. Definitely do that. But have you seen their slides be so full of information and all they're doing is reading it. We really don't do that to your audience. I really think it's a disservice to people if they are expected to attend a talk that they then have to spend the <laughs> entire time reading. Because what do you think when you're in that situation? You could have emailed this to me. It saved me so much time. I could have just read this. It feels like a waste of time. It is Plus, irritating as somebody who is sitting there listening to it. And it takes the audience attention off of the topic because they're just focused on the slides then. So here's what we recommend doing. What I like to do is for every point that I'm giving, I'll have a slide with a striking picture 
and maybe two or three words on the slide that support that particular topic, that bullet point, right? That subtopic. That's it. Picture, subtopic. That's it. Now, every once in a while, I might have some really interesting statistic or really interesting quote, and I'll also put that on there. I'll make that come in a little later. But that's it. The slides are supposed to be there to support it. So if you ever want to learn some really good techniques, especially with slides in that, watch some TED Talks. And there's also some books on how to give a TED Talk. Those really show how you can use a visual presentation like that in a very subtle way that will help support what you do, but not overtake it. I would add, too, that when you put everything on the slide and the person is reading it, it undercuts your authority. Totally undercuts it. Instead, by just putting a couple of words up there or maybe just a bullet point or something like that, and then as you talk about it, then you... You become the authority. You become the authority. You bring the magic to that moment. And yeah, definitely don't make people read it, but be the one that has the, that gives the reveal, that gives the information or the technique that can change someone's life. As a little bonus, one thing we recommend doing when you speak somewhere is to collect people's names. At the end of your talk or at the beginning of your talk, whatever, put up a slide, maybe with a QR code on it or have a piece of paper with lines on it where people can put on their email addresses and their names or a QR code that they can snap at their phone and fill out so that they can get a free download from your website, a free tool to take away. Whatever you do, collect some names because it is not unusual to go speak somewhere and you could walk away with 10 names, 30 names, 100 names, right? It can be a powerful lead magnet. We've talked about lead magnets. It can be very powerful to do that because remember, you're when you talk in front of someone, you might have their attention for 20 minutes, 40 minutes at most, right? But when you get someone's name and you can start sending them your email series and you can speak to them on a regular basis, you could be in their lives for a very long time. And it could be the start of a beautiful relationship. Beautiful friendship. <laughs> hey, if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please rate and review the podcast so that others can find it and then subscribe so you don't miss the next one? And share it with someone who might be interested in the topic of writing because we are just here to help others and we hope that you can help us do that too. Because remember, we're not all in this alone. Really, the truth is together, what Gina? We have writing momentum. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Writing Momentum Podcast with authors Christopher and Gina Maselli. Don't forget to subscribe and get the show notes at writingmomentum.com backslash podcast. Until next time, we hope that you have writing momentum.